Like a buddy cop movie where both guys are the loose cannon. It's Sin the Fields. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. Welcome to Sin the Fields. I'm Ted Whistle. I'm Patrick Stegemiller. Pat, you hear it there in the background. A little amore. Dean Martin. <laughs> He's the proud son of Steubenville. And, man, I, I did the Wikipedia famous people from Steubenville five minutes before the show. And it's like Dean Martin and like a, a lot of strange religious zealots. I can see that. It's a, I mean, certainly in us, the area brings out a lot of fervor. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, real devotion. If Mars was a four-day tournament, it would just be like Lord of the Flies, basically. Yeah, it would. It would just be wild, wild country. It would. It would devolve into a point where it's like someone is it, killed. Someone is killed. There's a cult leader. We're all just now wearing, you know, like the pink pants and everything from the guy, and <laughs> wearing you've break gro- mark shorts. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you've you've grown a wild beard, and I'm like the lawyer lady who's defending you and just being like. No, you see, he has a vision that none of the rest of you can understand. We, he needs he needs to be alone with his concubines in the in the smoke hut. <laughs> that will, don't worry about it. Yeah, somehow we have like full unbridled access to opium. It's like the only right. the only crop we've been able to <laughs> develop in our four days at Mars. But Mars is coming up. It's super exciting, and in the true spirit of the Rat Pack and Dean Martin himself. I think Dean Martin, if he were to come to Steubenville, I've been thinking about this, you know, like, hey, Steubenville, my hometown, let me, I'll go there, maybe sing a song, tell some jokes. Dean Martin was a notorious drunk, you know, it was like his mm-hmm. bit was being the drunk guy. Right. I think Dean Martin would roll up and be like, Jesus Christ, this is horrible. <laughs> these, these poor depraved people, what, oh my God. You've been thinking about this, huh? I have. If Dean Martin rolled up at Mars, like, oh, you know, like, he would, uh, I don't think he would approve. He would be like, is this where Steubenville's at now? When this hard of times, we got to have people like this spending their money at the Arby's and the Tim Hortons? Don't forget about the Dairy Queen. There's also the Dairy. I've never been to the Steubenville Dairy Queen, but I will. What? I've been to the Steubenville Goodwill. Right. The, the Tim Hortons and the Arby's. And those are, and the, Several of the gas stations where you can buy ISIS. The only place basically I'll go to outside of the field site during my time at Mars is the Dairy Queen. Last year, we were at the Dairy Queen when news came out that those Filipino uh, school children were trapped in that cave. Oh, my God. And it was like us and then a bunch of native Steubenvites, <laughs> uh, Steuben villains, uh, all just like hypothesizing like, why don't they just like get a hot air balloon and then put it in and <laughs> blow it up and then they come out through the other side of it? The the great shame of of all Western Pennsylvanians is that the people that live nearby in West Virginia and uh, southeastern Ohio are essentially the exact same, right? So I'm imagining that conversation outside of the Dairy Queen. Yeah, like 
What if they just drilled down? I got a buddy works in gas and oil. If they just drilled down there far enough, I mean, they could bring them kids up like no problem. <laughs> like that 100% was was being said. Like, like remember Armageddon? They put the they're going to put the warhead inside. It's like, yeah, that's that was like a feasible thing to to like the population of Steubenville. Like, why don't they just drill? But then if you ever saw the graphic of the cave last year, remember they showed like they had like the infographic. Right. It was horrifying. <laughs> that's my, that's, I mean, <laughs> the cave situation last year with those, uh, with the Filipino kids and the movie, the descent are like a great reason to never, ever go in a cave. Yeah. Just, Straight up, don't go in caves, people. I I was at a bachelor party in Mexico last year. Um, I think we maybe talked about this, and there was like cave scuba diving. Yeah, where you like hook up with your scuba. No, and you go into these underwater caves in Mexico, and it's just absolutely not because it's pitch black. You didn't do it, did you? No, no. Uh, Jesus but Christ. I saw people doing it and it's like it's pitch black and you have like a guide who has like uh, glow sticks on his fingers. What? So it looks like some <laughs> horrifying like Pan's Labyrinth monster is like oh leading you astray in this tunnels underneath the cold, <laughs> cold water pitch black. Yeah, right. It's not. So it's a tight show this week. So it's a nice Tight a show crisp, this week. Pre-Mars show. What, Pre-Mars. What's the, the best case scenario there is that you don't find uh, a water-sealed bag with 30 kilos of cocaine in it. And you, right. and you don't have to do the, like, the decision like, we could keep it. We could keep it. We who could keep it. Yeah, no one would know. As a guy who rarely leaves Western PA to do anything other than playing bullshit tournaments it's uh take this as gospel you can't deal with the cartels i would like to hear the uh western pa west virginia southeastern ohio people who are giving takes on the how to get the kids out of like what to do with the coke and the dying guy in <laughs> well, that yeah well so controlled men situation it would be easy because it'd be like it'd be like actually you should bring it back because this bar i go, I go to cole's pub and there's a guy there named bugs and he he does cocaine, so you could probably give it to him. He could probably turn it around. It's like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Like, that makes no sense. <laughs> Just because you have a friend that does good doesn't mean that they could, like... Yeah, we're talking about enough... It's a life-changing amount of cocaine. You could turn it into money. Mm. Oh, you know what? This is going to be... This is, like, the great uh, precursor episode to you and I. We'll do the Swamp Walk this year. And then we'll find the Steubenville cocaine. We'll find like D.B. Cooper's cocaine. Dean Martin's cocaine. Dean Martin's. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's like sealed with wax, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Dean Martin, like DM, like stamped into the wax. I mean, all those Rat Pack dudes were kind of into the mob, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that was um, so Sinatra. You know, he was from Jersey or whatever. And they always said that that's the reason he, you know, he like. He, he couldn't get out of stuff and he was drunk all the time because he was so juiced into the mob and he couldn't get out. Right. It's so like, I'm sure Dean Martin, he had a like a go bag situation where he's like, if things go belly up, I've got, you know, 40 grand worth of Coke stashed away that I can sell if I need to. And I can, <laughs> you know, I can, I, fake my, I can, I can fake my death 
sell this coke, move to Albania, become Dinamis Martuvius. I buried it at the Kiwana, at the Jefferson Kiwanis Youth Soccer Complex, <laughs> right outside of Steubenville. Oh my God! Well, I hope that it's you and I that find it because we've explored all the options. And Pat, you're a lawyer, so uh, it'll be very easy for you to use your connections to kind of just float the idea at bars. Like, you'll start with a hypothetical question, like so, like let's say, like hypothetically, guys, you know, it's happy hour. You just got off work, long day, doing it. hypothetically, like so, like let's let's see if you found cocaine, Greg. You're in. Uh, <laughs> You know, you're you're in uh, you're you're in drug law. I mean, uh, you know, let's, let's, what could happen? What, what can you happen? Found it. You know, you, you didn't you didn't seek it out. You just found it. Didn't make it. You just you found it. You're a right. All right. Well, well that's, that's our good. Mars preview. <laughs> uh, keep an eye out for the hidden satchel of Dean Martin's cocaine, which should be sure to turn heads this weekend. Um, so. Mars is coming up, and Tad, you've crunched the numbers here, and this is pretty astonishing. This Mars is going to be your 270th Ultimate Tournament. Yeah, I I saw this on on Being Ulti recently. Someone posted like, yeah, it's, you know, I've played 150 tourneys, and here's how, and I've been keeping track ever since, and they, they posted a screenshot of some of their tournaments, and I was like, man, I tried to do that in 2014, and I could only do 2014. So I went back, and I spent uh, some hours. Yeah, some of them were on the clock, maybe. And uh, I went back, and I I did my tournament history. I played one tournament in 2004. I was a senior in high school. I played a high school tournament uh, with some of my friends. I was trash. And then I went to Edinburgh, where I was trash. Uh, but I didn't play that fall. And then from 2015 to where we are now in 2019, yeah, Mars is gonna be uh, Mars is gonna be 270. That is astonishing. It's a lot of tournaments. Um, some notable feats: 2006 calendar year, 26 tournaments. 2007, 24. 2008, 25. Uh, 20 and 09. 21 and 13, 20 and 14. So I went over, I went 20 and above a couple times here. But, uh, you know, I'm only at five right now, not playing club, only playing Masters in 2019. So I think these next 30 are going to be pretty hard to get <laughs> to get to 300, you know, the 300 club. How many, legit, how many people do you think are in the 300 club? I think like. A good amount of people. I mean, Perinella. It's just like you know, I played I played club for thirteen years, and then it, it's all about the college club overlap. So when you're overlapping club and college and going to right. those tournaments, it's like that's how you get into the twenties. Um, and what's your criteria here? What counts as a tournament? So it's like summer league playoffs. Is that? A tournament. I mean, playoffs now in summer league is all one day shit. So it's like quarters on Wednesday of this week, semis on Wednesday of next week. But summer league used to be in Pittsburgh when I started playing. It used to be an actual tournament. So it was like uh, pre quarters, quarters, semis, and finals all on the same day. If you wanted to win the tournament, mm-hmm. um, and there was like the B and C bracket and all that stuff. Um, so I counted all those, but. 
none of the other ones and none of the semis and finals on the same day stuff. But I did count hat tournaments. Uh, any hat tournament where you played three or more games, I counted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like this, that's legit. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple that I left out. A couple, a couple things I left out. Like I left out an indoor hat tournament. It's a lot. And then when you go back and look at it, it's like, you know, in 2006, 26 tournaments, that's like uh, half a year's worth of weekends. You know, that's, it's hard to believe that the relationship I was in didn't survive that. <laughs> it's, it's crazy to think. Um, but if you played in the Metro East, I'll bore you very quickly with just a rundown of my 2006 tournaments. Go. Case Indoor Tournament. Groundhog's Day. Hellfish Bonanza, Huck of the Irish, High Tide, North Coast Open, Borough Bash, Sectionals, Henlopen, that was my first club tournament, No Surf, Cut, Motown, Mars, Chicago, Don't Give Up the Disc. There was a height-related hat tournament that was five games held in Pittsburgh where teams were based off of your height, which was like a one-off, really weird thing in 90-degree heat. Wait, so was it a mix, or was it like all the tall people versus all the small people versus all the medium people? It was mixed, but it was like, for men, it was 5 foot to 5'3", five 5'4", five to 5'6", five 5... It was... And hey, believe it or not, the fucking tall team won. Can you imagine that? Yes. <laughs> Summer League Finals, Buffalo. Man, fucking love Buffalo. I would go back there with a team of slaps. If I could, we should probably think about that, Pat. We'll talk later. Yeah. Skylander, club sectionals, fall brawl, club regionals, fall fling. And fall fling was not on the Edinburgh tournament calendar, but me and three other veterans took seven rookies to fall fling that year with 11 dudes, and we won it. Penn State's home tournament. Holy shit. Yeah, it was fucking sweet. Is Um, that your all-time greatest accomplishment? On the frisbee field? No, but it was good. Um, Eleven dudes winning another team's home tournament. Yeah, it was good. It was. Uh, we lost to Penn State in the crossover on Saturday on Universe, or by two maybe. And then on Sunday we didn't have to play them. Much like how the Steelers, every time they've won the Super Bowl in recent, in, you know, in like in the modern times, they've never played the Patriots. They lost to Bucknell in semis, and then we dogged Lehigh, and then we beat Bucknell. Um, Club regionals didn't play very much, wasn't very good. Delaware showdown. We played a Michigan tournament, and then Say What, which is the winter hat tournament in Pittsburgh for 26. That's incredible. I had a streak in there. I had 10 in a row at one point there. Oh, my God. 10 weekends in a row. Yeah, it was good. So looking back at all these tournaments, is there one that really stands out? So it wasn't winning fall fling with 11 dudes. No. But is there one that really stands out to you as like, this was this was my pinnacle? Ooh. Not necessarily like where you played the best or whatever, but just this was the peak experience. Yeah, I would say Nocturnal 2012, the first year I, w- I went. I was playing with my buddy Jeff, and... I was like, I trained really hard because I was a big winter trainer. I didn't want anyone to know that. I didn't want, when people were not training, it's when I really liked to train. I didn't want anyone to know I was training. Mm-hmm. So I could go to like overnight tournaments and stuff, especially when I was out of college and like try to dog people and stuff. And uh, 
cool, cool, yeah, cool. yeah. Normal stuff, you know, normal psychological, regular stuff. And uh, we lost. We were like playing really well, and we had three critical guys get hurt, and a guy uh, left. So we're playing finals like six a.m. You know, it's the six a.m. to six forty-five finals. The other team scores. We go into overtime. We lose, but it was like played a savage final at six a.m. You know, for like my ninth game of the tournament. Right. And it was like, well, this is at least what life is. You know, it's like this is. Yes. This is. You know, you could. Uh, you could have killed me at that point. It would have. I would have welcomed. I would have welcomed death. <laughs> As an old friend. Yeah. You know, it's the in between moments in my retirement. I've been like kind of reflective. It's like. It's like I didn't like doing six-hour practices in the heat, but I, boy, I liked hanging out with all the dudes on the team, you know? Right. And it's like the same thing. It's like, well, I, I like playing ultimate, and I like this and that, but it's like, man, if we had fucking won Savage, that would have been that would have been pretty sweet. And so in some ways, losing almost makes it more meaningful, though, right? Because like you said, it's like almost like truer to life where you can have that, like you don't quite get to the mountaintop, you know, and you're sort of like... Yeah. You you can see it. Like, you can see it. You get close enough to see it, and, like, that alone is sort of worth it. And yeah. Then, but, you, but you lose, and you're like, okay, but this still this feels right. Yeah, and it's the same thing with Club Nationals. It's like, you know, some spoiled assholes go to Club Nationals, you know, when they're juniors in college, and they're like a D-line handler who does... No, I'm not fucking throwing shade on D-line handlers. just like they didn't contribute significantly and but they because went they're D-line handlers because <laughs> <laughs> the problem with you know even like last year i was like okay if i had d-line this is great you know I and mean, i was too afraid to throw any of my fucking the shit i like to throw because i didn't want to mess up you know but yeah. but take that take that person who went when they were 20 years old you know they went to club nationals and they're 20 years old they're like i've been to club nationals i checked that box i have nothing else to prove it's like I'm never going to make Revolver. I'm never going to make, you know, a nationally competitive team, but I went to nationals, and, like, that's enough for, like, to hang it up. It's like that that longing, that seeing the light and not quite getting, like, getting its rays to touch me, that's what, that's what keeps you going. Yeah. You know? Well, that's a good answer then. That That's pretty great. Yeah, not winning a hat tournament. Great answer, Ted. Nice. Yep. <laughs> nice, nice job. No, but, like, you, you only get to 270 tournaments if the tournament that stands out to you, the memory you really have and treasure is the not quite winning a hat tournament, you know? Yeah. I like, I really, man, I really like going to fucking tournaments. I'd like to yeah, get a, the, the, the dude who made nationals at age 20 is not going to play 270 tournaments straight up. Yeah. I mean, think about all the dudes that, um, you know, you were on a, a college team that had a lot of success at the D three level. I'm sure that, you know, there are some, some dudes that played on that, semifinals team you were on that like don't play anymore and you're like wow but you were really good why do you not play anymore yeah 100 percent. but yeah. why but like what what is their because they, they've just moved on to other things they've they were kind of like yeah like checked off frisbee you know i'll still toss i'll still you know whatever but they're kind of they felt like they had you know done it which Man. i don't understand but, I don't get that but, at all. But that's why we're here right now, and they're off having <laughs> rich, fulfilling lives. Uh, uh, well, we got to do something special when you do make it to 300. Or at least, like, you are you going to make the 300th tournament? Is that going to be, like, an intentional 
selection. You like you got to make it like uh, Mars or Skylander or something like that. Ooh, yeah. I mean, it's gonna take me a long time though. It's gonna take me like at least at least two years. There are a bunch of one dayers that are like local that I could do. There's a tournament called Ten Forty Easy. Shout out to all the Canton Akron listeners out there. I went to it one time in 2014. It's called 1040 Easy, and uh, it's like a tax. Is it on tax day? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the Saturday right before tax day, and I went one year, and it was super fun. But, like, you can knock out a one-day hat, you know, play six or seven games. It's like, you know, because if you're an ultimate fiend, it's like you want, like, the crack of ultimate, and that's one-day hats. Right. You know, where you don't have to... You, like, semi-take care of yourself the night before, but not really. And then you go and just, like, get amped up for one day and don't have buys and stuff. Like, that's what you want, so. Right, you just, you're playing that tournament out of a tinfoil spoon. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Got it, got it. All right, here's my 20 bucks. Give me a t-shirt or a don't, I don't care. Is a bandana? Just, yeah, just a bandana. Just wrap it, wrap the right color around my head. It's fine. Wrap it around, wrap it around my left bicep. And just, just hold it tight with your teeth. The first tournament I ever played in was a hat tournament. And it was in Albany, where I grew up. Okay. I was in high school. And uh, we won. And we won on a dude on our team, J-Mac. For anybody who was, was really What's into his the real Albany name? Summer League scene. Uh, Where'd he go to school? He went to RPI. Ooh, so I was Probably those trudge dudes. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you guys got into it. Uh, he now. I mean, I think he's basically out of doing frisbee. He kind of got like semi by choice, semi ran out of Albany Summer League for Ooh, being too much of a lunatic. I love that. Um, and now he does like triathlons or something um, to because it's like he has to get his lunacy out somewhere. Um, but I remember we won the tournament on this guy making an absolutely garbage uh, call <laughs> on double game point in the final of a like hat a, tournament. Like a bullshit strip or like a... Yeah. yeah, yeah, like absolutely bullshit strip call in the end zone. And, you know, I'm 16 or something, and I'm like, I don't think that that was a strip. What do I know? Shut the know. fuck up, Pat. Right, exactly. <laughs> nice in the game away. Right. Uh, and then that, so it's, yes, started off, started off on top and that set the, that set the tone for my whole career. Just really, that was, that was the, that was my true North from that point. It's like, oh, this is it. It was, so what year was that? You were 16. 2008. Oh, that was prime time. That was. Summer 2008. Yeah, that was prime time. Yeah, Mm. yeah. There, uh, the local teams the teams near you in Albany at that time were pretty good, you know, like uh, SUNY Albany scam. They were pretty good at that time. RPI was pretty good. They were making regionals. There's some uh, dudes from Albany who were playing on that bashing pinatas team around then. I that think. made nationals with, Oh my God. Ben Usadi was on that team. Fat Zach, fat Zach from RPI. Yeah. yeah Squeege from RPI. Yeah. There were, some great players on those teams in your area and bashing pinatas. They went Ben Usadi. They had a, they had a dude on the team who won like four nationals with New York, New York, or however many he was like 17 when he made the team. And then 
was there for like the Dobbins era. I went on spring break with him one time. And they had Fat Zach, who won Albany Summer League in 2009, despite having gained about 50 pounds because he didn't play club that year. But he was, I, I don't think he traveled more than maybe 200 meters in that final, but was still just a completely unstoppable force who controlled the entire game. Dude, they called him Fad Zach before that. Like, they called him Fad Zach when I first played against him in 2006 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's our Mars preview. Um, and I think in spiritually, it made sense why it was. I think that that conversation touched on the essence of Mars in a lot of ways. Was it an excuse to just talk about the glory days of Metro East and Metro East related <laughs> ephemera and summer league? Perhaps. Um, because, you know, not enough Metro East content on Ulti World recently. Yeah. And there's not enough Ulti World writers from the Metro East or podcasters. I think me, you, Chuck, Keith, McGlynn, Brian Barbie. Jones. All Metro East dudes. Uh, Toner is from Buffalo. I know he went to UVA. Toner's from Buffalo, so like went to UVA, counts. but also went to Skylander as a college current. Right, which basically that you've contracted Metro East. If you go We're to claiming Skylander. him. Yeah. We're cla- <laughs> Metro East Illuminati. Right. I mean, there's probably some point to be made about how the reason that there's so many Metro East people involved in Ulti World is because we played in such a dog shit area and region that we assumed yeah. that real ultimate was meaningful elsewhere. So once we like see real ultimate, we like take it seriously and apply meaning right. to it. Even though people who played in other regions, like get how much of a joke it all is. Zach Smith also. Yeah. Right. And we were deprived yeah. of, uh, actual success. So we sought it out elsewhere. Right. And, and we believed that, God was still sitting on that throne because we had been so far from heaven, mm-hmm. you know? So now, now we can like treat it seriously <laughs> enough to think it matters. Oh boy. I was actually, I was, and this is always how it goes with our conversations where we, we like, we run, we go through the whole thing and we come back to, I feel as bad, if not worse than I did when I started. But there is that moment in our conversations where you're at like, you're at the top of the circle and you're like, yeah. And it was about fun. And it was like, it's a hard work. It was pure. You did it because you loved it. And actually you did it because, uh, you were like a a beaten dog given up for adoption. (laughs) Look, we may be beaten dogs given up for adoption, but we found a, we found a pretty good home for it, you know? Like, think about what we'd be doing if we didn't have Ultimate in our lives. Usually when we say that, it's more like, oh, we'd be successful and, you know, have disposable income. Uh, but really, I think the kind of mania that we have, I mean, you just you played 270 Ultimate tournaments. I don't think that's just because Frisbee is great. Like, maybe you'd be doing something way worse if you didn't have Frisbee in your life. Right, playing, you know, 580 poker tournaments. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think the you know it's you would have an eye patch if you hadn't gotten. <laughs> I think part of it is like, um, you know, just the quick glimpse of what it would. If I never played ultimate, uh, I would be, I would have physicals with my doctor, like quarterly, like every three months, I would have a physical, and I would flunk the stress test every time. I would be two twenty five, be five eight, two twenty five. 
and not that I won't be there shortly, but that would be kind of like my, like my regular thing would be like my mom calling me and being like, how's, how, how, how's your health? How's your carb intake? Is everything, everything good? I'm going to the gym. I'm doing plenty of curls. Don't worry about it. Right. You're just exclusively doing hammer curls for an hour. Yeah. You know, so I think we, like you said, we came full circle in a certain ways. Is it, is it a actually a three dimensional circle spiraling downward and we're only seeing it in oh 2D as an actual God. circle? Maybe, I don't know. Um, but uh, no, I think we, we made, we've made some ground here today. And that, that, I think it's as fitting a Mars preview as we can, uh, as we can offer. So uh, we're going to come back with Trash Trash Fuck Boy in our uh, Mars preview episode here. And, uh, you know, stay tuned for that. It's in the fields. Sin the Fields is brought to you by B Ultimate Apparel. B Ultimate performance based apparel is designed specifically for Ultimate players. These jerseys are made with double lock seams and quick dry material. The ended uniform will allow you to perform your best in any condition and be better than ever. Visit bultimate.com/stf to get your free shipping code on your next team order. No kiss a digi, you get happy in the pizza when you mambo Italiano. Hey, this is Robbie from Eurozone here with our buddy Liam and just wanted to give you a bit of a shout out to you American listeners. Uh, next week's going to be the European Ultimate Championships, the biggest event in the European calendar. All the European national teams are coming together to fight it out in Hungary and we have a lot of coverage here on both Eurozone and UltiWorld. Come check us out if you like curryverse and crepes and all things European. We got it all here at Eurozone. Come down, check it out, have a listen. We also have a picks contest for the European Championships. So maybe you're one quarter German. Maybe you have a great, great granny that's Irish. Come cheer them on in our pace contest and you can win a subscription to UltiWorld. So yeah, European Ultimate Championships. It's like the World Ultimate and Guts Championships. National teams from all over Europe. Just, you know, without the North American, Japanese, and Australian teams. So not really as good, but still should be pretty good. Come check us out, Eurozone and UltiWorld. And we will eat you later. Welcome back to Sin the Fields. Definitely check out Eurozone if you have not. It's like a pretty interesting glimpse into, you know, the way they do things in Ultimate, which as someone, I've played uh, two European tournaments, Pat, the same one, Siege Limerick, fantastic tournament, highest possible recommendation. I've played that twice, and being over there, it's it's truly more spirited, and in a lot of ways, it's more fun. So if you ever have, if you're, if you're an American player and you want to get over there, you want to see what it's like first, or if you're a European player, I'm sure you're already listening. Jesus Christ, how are you not listening? Uh, definitely check them out at Eurozone. All right. We're uh, wrapping things up here as we get ready to head out to Mars. So we got Trash Trash Fuckboy. And first trash here is, you know, I'm going to let you be the, um, the jury on this, Tad. Ooh, all right. One of the people involved in this incident is trash, and I'm gonna, you're going to have to be the impartial game advisor on this one. 
Okay. So uh, I was playing at Boston Invite uh, a couple weekends ago. And playing against a Canadian team, which I think anybody who's listened to the show knows exactly how I feel about Canadian teams in the Northeast. Mm. Uh, although at least these ones have the dignity of playing in a sanctioned tournament during the regular season. <laughs> oh, um, whammy! But uh, so it's it's like a tense, close game, kind of upwind, downwind. Um, we need an upwind break in the second half. Uh, Huck goes up downwind for the other team guy on our team gets good position the disc is going like way over both of their heads misses them by 15 feet foul call you know just a horrible horrible call had no play on the disc defender had good position or whatever just awful awful call i'm on the field you know i'm not yelling at the player or anything but i like i turn to the, his his sideline and put my arms up and just go like yeah yeah you know to kind of just <laughs> encourage spirit and uh, so, and then during the the discussion on the call, the player on my team is saying like, "Well, I don't think you could make a play on the disc, and I had position on it." And the guy said, um, "Well, actually, I don't know if you know this, but I'm really fast." Oh my fucking god! Right? Okay. Okay. Yes. But then, so I hear that, and you know, I, I turn back to their sideline and go like, "Yeah, yeah, really," with my arms up. And then one of them says. Uh-oh, watch out. He's going to put you on the pod. No. See, so, this is the worst right. thing about Sin the Fields. We're, we're actually... Uh, so who's the, who's the real trash here? It's taken, it's taken a lot of bite out of my personal game. Right. That people can tweet the horrible things I do on the field at Sin the Fields. God damn it. He's the trash. Not the person on the sideline that said the pod thing. That's fine. That's like a one-off. But the the dude on the field that called the foul and said, I don't know if you know this, I'm really fast. Hey, my man, if you were really fast, you'd be playing a different sport. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I mean, <laughs> if you were really fast, this is like the thing where people, it's like Bo Kittredge could have played tight end. It's like, yeah, you could have played tight end at fucking Geneva College D3. Okay, it's not like it's oh, not like man. Bo is gonna walk onto LSU and play tight end or play pro football. My, my broad jump is four, fourteen feet. It's yeah, that okay. guy is that guy's trash. Okay, I, so I'm not trash here for getting absolutely dogged by that dude's. How'd you comment. get dogged? If that was any one of your other slap teammates, that would have been like a legitimate thing. But then, unfortunately, there's like collateral to be used against you in a dig and the person on the sideline did that, which is their want and their right. A similar thing happened with, you know, I'm not even going to, no, I'm not. The guy who called the foul and said he was really fast is trash. Okay. Trash. That's right. She was a bag of trash sitting on the sidewalk, waiting there for the garbage truck to come by and pick her up and take her to the dump. All right. What do we got next? Next up. My fiance Katie and I, we've been playing Flutter in the alley by our house. And there's a lot of foot traffic. You know, a lot of people in the neighborhood we live in don't have cars, like older people who walk to and from the grocery store and like drug freaks and people that ride dirt bikes in a place right. where you absolutely should not have a dirt bike. Sure. So we play Flutter. And as you know, when you play Flutter, you don't throw real Frisbee throws. You you throw Flutter throws. And right. uh We've had like, 
uh, probably like six neighbors or six people be like, you should try throwing it flat. And it's like, yeah, well, no, it's, it's, a, it's a different game. And someone's like, you're working hard at that frisbee up the street. I see it. You should try. If you hold it like this, like my nephew, he throws frisbee once in a while. If you hold it like this and you just, and you just spin your wrist, you throw it, it, it'll go right to her. And it's like, no, it's, I appreciate, I appreciate that. I, it's a different, it's a different game. Like this lady gave me a two minute tutorial the other day about how to like smoking a cig on her porch. She's like, she's like, let me just give you a piece of advice. I think you just got to cut him off and be like, look, it's a sex thing. Just don't, <laughs> just don't touch it. My, uh, a, a buddy of mine, he lives in a, in a nearby neighborhood in Polish Hill and, um, and uh, his neighbors, I guess they were, you know, pretty loud or whatever. And uh, one time he was taking his trash out and his and the one of the neighbors was like, hey, Tim, how are you? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? And they're like, good. Um, I'm not sure what you can hear, or how much you can hear of what's going on with uh, me and my partner in there. But uh, I'm not hurting them. I just want to let you know I'm not I'm not hurting them. And he's like, I, you, I, I haven't heard anything, and I don't need to. And he's like, No, I'm just, I'm just saying, just you know. Well, hey, have a, you know, have have a great night. Wow. Yeah. So I should have played it like that. You're right. Anyway, yep. uh, the real trash here in that long, convoluted, perverse thing is uh, disc sports for not being popular enough to just to know that there are multiple uh, ways to use a frisbee. We are trash. No one knows about us. We're self-important, and we should never forget that. Trash! That's right! All right. Well, that leads us into our fuckboy from this episode. So I am, uh, right now, we're recording this on Sunday night. Mm. Uh, I just got back from uh, my buddy Greg's bachelor party in Atlantic <sighs> City. Um, the fuckboy, though, is uh, it was pretty easy to pick out. Uh, guy sitting at a blackjack table... Maybe I don't know about eleven o'clock on a Saturday night. Uh, doing the, you remember in that scene in Wolf of Wall Street where uh, Leo has all his like salesman guys at that diner, and he's like, "Sell me this pen or whatever," and like there's then the the one guy is like, "Can I get some ketchup? Can I get some ketchup?" And the waitress doesn't come, and he like freaks out and like spikes the ketchup bottle, and he's right. like, "That's some fucking ketchup." Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a guy who's like intentionally trying to channel that, but with like calling drinks from one of the servers at a casino, which, like, you know you can't, like, That's the server's no, no. gonna come when they come. You just, you can't, like... So he's freaking out, just being like, if I don't get a fucking drink, I'm gonna freak out. I'm gonna freak out. And it's like Blackjack, so it's like, he's like, if I don't get a drink, I'm this, you know, this 7-3 is not gonna be the only thing I'm hitting. <laughs> and it's like, fuck you. Yeah, you're killing so that, the mood, man. Yeah, dude who dude who is like angry that the server hasn't come giving, you know, off with the free drink tray at the casino often enough across the board that person and this one in particular. Absolute fuckboy. That's somebody who watched casino like right before. Right. They went to a casino as like what they thought would be like prep. <laughs> or like I'm going to do due diligence here. I'm going to watch casino and then they became that's Nikki someone Santoro. who was watching casino and then opened up a Pornhub tab halfway through 
and then <laughs> finished <laughs> watching Casino. Um, uh, yeah, fuck that guy. Well, Pat, Mars is upon us. I was hanging out earlier today and, you know, I was just, I'm getting very excited and I'm really excited because we got a Thursday, 4th of July. You and I, we're going to go to the pirate game. Yeah. On July 4th, the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I'll kind of, I'll try to educate you in some of the nuances of being a pirate fan. Okay. And they are many. Uh, and I'll just get this out of the way right now. Oh, you want to go to the pirate game? Yeah. Great ballpark. Great. Oh, it's gorgeous. Really great. And then, like, not really be equipped to talk about the team in any kind of way. Right. Yeah. Right. So we'll just, now that that's covered, we'll be able to just enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to it, buddy. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be a long, getting into Pittsburgh Wednesday night, not leaving until Sunday. It's going to be a, it's going to be a hell of a fourth. Uh, all right. To everybody out there coming to Mars, come say hey. Uh, whatever your Frisbee tournament, if you're going to Sunbreak or whatever they do in other parts of the country, good luck. If you're just like with your family, barbecuing, you know, enjoy that too. Yeah. If you are Canadian or from Europe or whatever, and this is just a normal week for you, you know, well, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> For Tad Whistle, I'm Patrick Stegemeller. It's rich, it's compelling, it's in the fields. Stare lassù e volavo, volavo, venige punalte del sole con coro più su, mentre molto pian piano sparivo lontano laggiù.